Bibles, if you would, and let's turn together to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, as we continue to work our way through the Gospel of John. One of the characteristics of John's Gospel is the Lord's I am statements. We have seven of these in the Gospel of John, where he says, I'm the bread of life, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I'm the resurrection and the life. There are seven of these statements. And today we're going to come to the second of these seven statements. We heard him say in John chapter 6, I'm the bread of life. And now here in John chapter 8, he's going to say, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. John chapter 8, and we'll be dealing with verses 12 through 30. So I hope you have your Bible and that you'll read along with me. John 8 verse 12. Then again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is... Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true or valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone in it. But I and my Father who sent me, even in your law, it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said again to them, I go away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely since he says, or surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, What have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Well, if you have your bulletin, there's that listening guide on the back panel. I invite you to follow along. Let's just jump right in. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Let's start, first of all, with the setting. The setting of our passage here is the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. We saw that in John chapter 7, the Feast of Tabernacles. And we saw that that is uh, one of the three pilgrim festivals where people would come from all over the land of Israel in the fall to Jerusalem for this fall festival. And they would build these temporary shelters, these booths or tabernacles out of branches and greenery. And it's basically a week-long camp out. (laughs) We're all going to sleep out under the stars in these little temporary shelters. Even if you lived in Jerusalem, even if you had your own house in Jerusalem, You'd still build one of these little booths up on the rooftop or in your yard or out in the road. But everybody's going to stay out in these these tabernacles, these little booths, these little huts for the week. And primarily that festival of, of, of that Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles commemorated God's presence and God's provision in the wilderness wanderings. We go back to that whole Exodus narrative. 
We saw a couple of weeks ago that every morning during that festival, every morning they had a water ritual. And the high priest would lead a processional from the temple down to the pool of Siloam. He would have this gold pitcher and they would go from the temple down to the pool of Siloam to the Gihon Spring. He would fill up that water pitcher and then lead the parade back up to the temple and with great fanfare pour that water out in the temple. They would do that every morning, one time every morning, and then on the seventh day they'd do it seven times. That's the water ritual, commemorating the fact that God brought water from a rock as he provided for his people in the wilderness. Every night in the festival, in the festival of booths or the Feast of Tabernacles, every night they had a light ceremony. And the light ceremony happened in the court of women. Now let me back up just a little bit. In the temple in Jerusalem, there was a, a succession of courtyards. There was the outer court. That's called the court of the Gentiles. This is as far as Gentiles were allowed to come into the temple of the Lord, the court of Gentiles. That's the outermost court. That's where the money changers and the merchants set up shop, and God kicked them out of the outer court because they were, they were, that's where the Gentiles can come. Beyond the court of Gentiles was the court of women. So only Jews were allowed this far into the temple, and this is as far as women were allowed into the temple, the court of women. We often find Jesus teaching in the court of women. Why? Because his audience would include men and women in the court of women. Beyond that, you have the court of Israel. Only Jewish men were allowed in the court of Israel. Beyond that was the court of priests. Only priests could go into the court of priests. That's where the altar was and the labor. And then you had the Holy of Holies, uh, the Holy Place and the Holy of Holies. So Jesus is in the, uh, the outer court. It says in verse 20, he, he spoke in the treasury. The treasury is in the court of women. In the court of women, during the Feast of Tabernacles, they had a lighting ceremony. There were four massive lampstands in the court of women. These things were as high as the walls of the temple. And at the top of each of these four lampstands were four massive oil lamps. I read, I read that they could contain 65 liters of oil each. So there's 16 of these massive oil lamps. And each night during the festival of the Feast of Tabernacles, the priest would get up on ladders to the top of these oil lamps and light them all up. So these 16 lamps, these massive lamps, would, would illumine all of Jerusalem. And it said that every courtyard in Jerusalem would reflect the light of the temple. And remember, this is back before there were street lights and electricity and all the rest. And so it would, it would in effect, light up the city and every courtyard in the city. And there would be music and dancing through the night by the light of those oil lamps. That's the light ceremony. And it commemorated the pillar of fire in the wilderness. Remember, God led his people with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Running in the background in all these chapters, chapters 6, 7, and 8, running in the background is that whole Exodus narrative. In fact, it's really not even in the background. It's in the foreground. I mean, it's right up front. In John chapter 6, someone mentioned the manna. That's back in the Exodus in the wilderness. Someone mentioned manna. And Jesus said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. I'm the bread of life. And then John 7, we have the Feast of Tabernacles. We have the water ritual. And Jesus, in that context with the water ceremony, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me uh, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then in light of this light ceremony, these massive lights, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's the setting. That's the backdrop. That's what's going on behind the scenes. Now, let's take a look at the motif. 
as he talks about, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. Let's talk about this motif of light and darkness. First of all, we have the pillar of fire in the wilderness. So again, this light ceremony takes us back to that Exodus narrative, wilderness wanderings, and the pillar of fire by night. Exodus 13 says that the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So there's that, there's that light, that theme of light, God's presence in a pillar of fire by night in the wilderness. But then in a broader sense, we have this theme of light and darkness all through the Bible, all through the Bible, especially here in John and in the Gospels, and really, but all through the Bible, you have light and darkness. Many times, light represents God himself. In fact, the Bible says God is light. 1 John chapter 1 says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So that's the characteristic of God. He is light. In Genesis chapter 1, I mean, the third verse of the Bible, the very first act of creation, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He brought light where there was no light before. And at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, it says that God himself will be the light of heaven. Revelation 22.5 says that there will no longer be any night. They will not have need of the light of the lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them. So really all through the Bible, light, light and darkness, this theme of light represents God and his nature. It, it represents holiness and purity and godliness. Light represents God's revelation, the revelation of his, his own nature, his laws, his will, his ways, his truth. Uh, light represents truth and wisdom and goodness and love and moral virtue and spiritual life all through the Bible. Darkness, on the other hand, represents ignorance and sin and death and deception, chaos and evil. So you have this theme of light and darkness. And again, we have it in our passage this morning. You get a big dose of it all through the Gospel of John and 1 John as well, and then really throughout the Bible. So there's the setting, there's the motif. Now I want you to notice the testimony. Notice in verse 13, the Pharisee said to him, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. That word for testify or testimony or witness, to bear witness, shows up seven times in these verses. It's, it's kind of a key word and a key theme. The Pharisees challenge Jesus. He says, I'm the light of the world. They challenge him on that, but they don't challenge him on the face of that declaration. No, you're not the light of the world. <laughs> uh, they, don't challenge, they don't challenge the assertion. They challenge him on a technicality. And they say, well, you can't say that about yourself. You can't go around saying you're the light of the world. You need corroborating testimony. You need corroborating witness. You need somebody else to say that about you. A fact has to be established by two or three witnesses. I mean, that's their law. That's their courtroom standard. And so you need, you need two or three witnesses to, to establish this fact. And so you get this back and forth between Jesus and the Pharisees. And Jesus, he doesn't back down. He ain't afraid of these guys, but he doesn't play their game either. And he says, I don't need any other witnesses. I'm my own witness. In fact, no one else can witness for me. You don't know where I'm from, and you don't know where I'm going. I do. 
Now, you and I know what he's talking about. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. He's God the Son. He is God the Son. He is eternally preexistent. He came from heaven, and he will go back to heaven. We get that. They don't get that. He says, you don't know where I came from. I do. You don't know where I'm going. I do. I am uniquely qualified to testify as to who I am and what I am. And really, no one else can do that. No other human being at this point in time, nobody else can say, he's the light of the world. Nobody else knows. He, he, he alone has that qualification. But then he says, well, you want two witnesses? I'll give you two witnesses. I'm one, and my father's the second. He bears witness. He testifies as to who I am. So that brings a question. So who's your daddy? <laughs> uh, who is your father? Where is your father? And then Jesus says, if you knew me, you don't know me and you don't know my father. If you knew me, you would know the father. And then in verse 23, you're from below. I'm from above. You're from the world. I'm not from this world. See, they are merely human. He's divine. They are of this earthly realm. He's of the heavenly realm. And then in verse 27, it says that they did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. They just, it just, they just don't get it. Now, here's what I want you to take away from, from this little exchange. And then we're going to back up to the light of the world. And that's where we want to camp out. But here's what I want you to take away from this whole testimony, testifying exchange. Faith precedes seeing and knowing and understanding. Faith, believing, trusting knowing and believing the Lord Jesus, trusting him and his word. Faith precedes seeing, knowing, and understanding. These Pharisees, they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't know. They don't get it. They don't understand. I mean, we see it again and again. And they don't get it. They don't see it. They don't understand it because of their unbelief. They are hardened in their unbelief. It's not because they haven't been persuaded. It's not because that they, they just haven't been convinced yet. They just need more evidence. No, they're not going to believe anyway. They've just decided they're going to reject all evidence, all testimony. They've already made up their minds. And because of their unbelief, they don't see, they don't hear, they don't understand. They can't understand. Now, we've already seen this before. We'll see it again. The world says seeing is believing. God says no, believing is seeing. I mean, that's Hebrews 11. Faith is believing before you see it. When you believe, when you trust God, trust his word, then he'll let you see it. The world says, when I understand it, then I'll know it and then I'll believe it. God says, no, when you believe, then you'll come to know and then you'll understand. It's the other way, but faith comes first. Unbelievers in general, these Pharisees in particular, cannot see, they can't know, they can't understand because of their unbelief. They, they, they cannot understand spiritual truth. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So it starts with faith. Second thing I want you to take away from this whole testimony exchange. When you know the Son, you know the Father. When you know the Son, you know the Father. Again, down in verse, um, what verse is it? 
where he said, oh, verse 19, you, neither, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. If you know me, you know the father. You don't know me, you don't know the father. He's going to say it in John 14. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father but by me. You'll hear him say in John 12, he who, has see, he who sees me, he sees the one who sent me. He'll say it again in, in John 14. He who has seen me has seen the Father. When you know the Son, you know the Father. You reject the Son, you reject the Father. They, they, it's a package deal. You can't have the Father without the Son. So there's no room for universalism. None of this, well, all paths lead to God. And Jesus is just one path of many. No, he's the only path. There's only one way to God through the Son. So there's... There, there's that, that narrow-mindedness of God, the, God's glorious narrow-mindedness. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. When you know him, you know the Father. You reject him, you reject the Father. Well, there's, there's that whole testimony section. Now, let's back up to verse 12. And here's really what I want to camp out in, John 12, in, in verse 12. Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness but will have the light of life. What I want you to take away from this passage and from this message is that you have a choice. Everyone faces a decision. You've got a decision to make. You've got a choice. What are you going to do with Jesus? That's the choice. That's the decision you have to make. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Will you believe him or not believe him? And you know in John, to believe is to faith and trust. Do you faith in him or do you not faith in him? Will you follow him or will you not follow him? Will you come to the light and embrace the light and walk in the light? Or will you just stay in the darkness? That's the decision you make. And with that decision, with the choice you make, either way, there are consequences. Things are going to happen. Now let's break this down. If you believe, he says, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To believe is to follow. The word follow here is a discipleship word. It's, 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 the, whole, it's the idea of a teacher disciple. Disciples followed their teachers around, literally followed them around, walked behind them. But it's not just about walking behind somebody, but it's to hear their teaching, incorporate their teachings, imitate the lifestyle and the, and the philosophy of the mentor, of the rabbi, it's a discipleship, and it's a present active participle in the language of the New Testament. That just means it's continuing action. You follow and keep following Jesus. So to believe in him is to put your faith in him. That means you follow him. You don't just say a prayer one time when you're seven years old, and then you go live your life the way you want to live it for yourself. No, that's not following Jesus. To follow him is to follow him, and you keep on following him. Now, what happens when you believe him, faith him, trust him, follow him? You have the light of life. So here's your outline. Notice that you have a possession and a relocation. What happens when you decide for Christ? That you say, I trust Jesus. I believe Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. Then you have a possession. You have the light of life. It's a present possession. We saw this with eternal life. He who believes has eternal life. It's not one day you'll get eternal life. When you die, you'll get eternal life. One day you'll receive eternal No, you got it now. You got Jesus, you got eternal life. It's yours now. It's a present possession. When you have Jesus, you have the light of life. 
And there's a relocation that goes with that. By default, we are in the darkness. We are, we, we are born dead in trespasses and sins. We are natural born sinners. We are born into the domain of darkness. That's where we start. That's our starting place. We're in the dark. When you say yes to Jesus, when you say, I believe, I faith, I follow Jesus Christ, there's a relocation. Paul puts it this way. God rescues you from the domain of darkness that you were born into. He rescues you from the domain of darkness and transfers you into the kingdom of his beloved son, which, by the way, is a kingdom of light. Because God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Or, as, John, as Jesus says in John 12, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. You're not going to be in the darkness anymore. I'm going to bring you into the light. 1 Peter 2, 9, God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In 1 Thessalonians 5, as believers, you are all sons of day, sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So you, there's a present possession. When you have Jesus, you say yes to Jesus, you faith in him, you follow him, you have the light of life and you have been moved out of darkness and into his kingdom of light. Here's the second thing that happens. Here's the second benefit, the consequence of, of saying yes to Jesus Christ, God's presence. Now, let's go back to that pillar of fire in the wilderness. That's running in the backdrop. That's what informs this passage. Go back to that pillar of fire in the wilderness. The pillar of fire manifested God's presence to the children of Israel. It's a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And it, it, it spoke of, I mean, it symbolized or represented in a physical form, God is with his people, God's presence. That's what that whole pillar of fire actually meant, and then everything that comes with it. At the end of this passage, in verse 29, Jesus speaks of this. He who sent me is with me. In other words, the Father is with the Son. And he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. There's that togetherness. The presence of the Father is with the Son. It was true of the son, my friend, it's true of his followers as well. When you have the light of life, you have the presence of God. Jesus said in Hebrews 13, 5, he himself had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You have the presence of God. When you know the Lord, faith the Lord, follow the Lord, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And then not only do you have God's presence, thirdly, you have God's guidance. God's guidance comes with the light. That pillar of fire in the wilderness represented God's guidance. It didn't just represent, it was God's guidance. In Hebrews and Nehemiah 9.12, with a pillar of cloud, you led them by day, with a pillar of fire by night to light them for them by the way in which they were to go. So in that wilderness wanderings, literally this pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, it would move and the children of Israel would follow the pillar wherever it went. So when the when the fire moved, we moved. Break camp, and here we go. And we just follow the pillar of cloud. God is leading. And when they stop moving, we stop moving. We set up camp. We're going to stay here until God moves us again. That's 40 years of that. It represented God's guidance. When you have Jesus, you have the light of life. And God's light 
will lead you through life. He himself will lead you and guide you through life. You don't have to stumble around in the darkness. Have you ever been in darkness that was so absolutely dark you could not see your hand in front of your face? Have you ever been in darkness that dark? I mean, just the absence of light. So dark, you it doesn't matter how <laughs> wide-eyed you are, if you look this way or that way. It's just blindingly dark. It's, it's so dark, it's disconcerting. It's so dark, it's disorienting. You, you lose all sense of direction. You don't know, I mean, where, where do I go? What do I do? And when you try to move around in that kind of darkness... Boy, you're super tentative, aren't you? I mean, it's, you can't just move freely about the cabin. We've all had that experience. Get up in the middle of the night and you think you know where you're going and you kick your toe <laughs> and you kick the table and bust your shins or you, or you walk into a door. <laughs> I mean, you just walk into things. But when it's plumb dark, I mean, it's like this. And you never know when you're going to step off of something and get hurt. You know what's sad? You know people who live their lives that way. In moral and spiritual darkness. And they stumble their way through life, tripping over themselves, stubbing their toe, kicking their shins, walking into doors, falling into dangers. One drama after another, one mess up after another, one destructive thing after another. Just bumbling and fumbling in the dark. Jesus said, that doesn't have to be you. He who follows me, he won't remain in the darkness. He has the light of life and God will guide. He leads. That's, that's why you follow him. He guides. I'm going to live life his way. I'm going to do what he says. I want to do it, do it in ways that honor him. He will lead you through life. You don't have to stay in the darkness. Ecclesiastes 2.13 says that the fool walks in darkness. 1 John 2.11 says that the one who hates his brother, this guy who calls himself a Christian, but he hates his brother, thus making his profession a false profession. He says he walks in the darkness. He does not know where he is going. The darkness has blinded his eyes. But when you know the, when you know the Lord, follow the Lord, he'll guide you through life. Number four, we've got to keep going. <clears throat> <Excuse me. clears throat> Number four, there's protection. When you have the light of life, when you choose Jesus, follow Jesus, keep following Jesus, you have God's protection as well. We go back to the Exodus, to the Exodus in the wilderness wanderings. That pillar of cloud spoke of God's protection as well. That pillar of fire by night spoke of God's protection. In Exodus 14, God led his people to the Red Sea. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a bad judgment call on anybody's part. It was God. God, the cloud, led his people to the Red Sea. Now they're stuck. The Egyptian army is in pursuit. And you go back and you read and you'll find out that the pillar of fire went from the front to the rear guard. And he protected his people from the Egyptian army. Meanwhile, his people walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. But the pillar of fire spoke of God's protection. Let me show you a strong verse. I, I, I want you to see this in your Bible. Go to Psalm 27. Don't lose John 8. We're not done there. But Psalm 27. I want you to see this. Psalm 27, verse 1. 
Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? The Lord is my light. There's that whole theme of light and darkness. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Have you ever been afraid of the dark? I mean, it's common with children. I mean, when, when we were little, I remember my grandmother had nightlights all over the house. Um, there are some children that, I mean, they're just afraid of the dark. They need a light. They just, they can't take it without a light. Afraid of the dark. There are some adults who never really outgrow that. The dark is creepy. You know, on a good night, it's just creepy being in the dark. Why? You don't know what's in the dark with you. Darkness engenders fear. Light dispels fear because it dispels the darkness, but darkness dispels the fear because you don't know what's out there in the dark, what dangers are out there, what dread. Darkness, it engenders fear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I ain't scared. <laughs> Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I dread? The Lord is my light and my salvation. He's the defense of my life. My life is in God's hands. Now, do you believe that? If you know the Lord Jesus, he's your sovereign Lord, he's your heavenly Father, and your life is in God's hands. I want to tell you, when you, when you know that and when you believe that, that gives you a lot of freedom. There's freedom and courage and resolve and fortitude and strength and knowing the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. He's the defense of my life. I ain't scared. I don't have to be afraid of anyone or anything. I ain't scared. Now, am I saying that if, if you know Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen to you? Oh, come on. Read the Bible. Look around. Read history. No, it doesn't mean bad things can't happen. It does mean this, though. Nothing can come into my life that doesn't get by him first. And whatever comes into my life, he allowed it. And if he allowed it, it's for his purpose and for his glory. And it will ultimately be for my benefit. So bring it. Does that mean that you won't ever get sick or die? Come on. No. Everybody's going to die of something. Nobody gets out alive. It's the way of all the earth. That's what the Bible calls it. The way of all the earth. It's appointed unto man once to die. One day you're going to get sick and die. You're going to die somehow, some way. But my life is in God's hands. He sets the date. He knows the how and the when and the where and the why. He, he, he's in charge. I'm just along for the ride. But I can trust. I don't have to be afraid. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I dread? There is there's protection. Number five, we've got to keep going. You're not listening fast enough. Number five, there's illumination. Illumination. When you follow the Lord Jesus, you have the light of life. That speaks of illumination. In Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You don't you don't break open God's word, the truth of God's word, by your intellectual prowess. You don't figure out God's will because you're so smart you crack the code. No, God illumines his word. He opens his word to you. He lights the path. He reveals his will and he will guide you in his light. It's, it's illumination. Again, he Faith precedes seeing and knowing and doing and understanding. Hey, there you go. It's, it's, it's the light of God. Number six, there's reflection as well. When you have the light of life, you reflect the light of life. 
We reflect. We are sons of light, sons of day, sons of. That's an that's a idiom. It's a, it's a semitism. Um, it just means you're a chip off the old block. You reflect the Father. We are sons of light. Our Father is the Father of light. He is, he is light. There's no shadow. There's no darkness in him. We just reflect the Father. We're chips off the old block. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Paul puts it this way. You were formerly darkness. That's what you used to be. You were formerly darkness. Now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Or in Philippians 2, prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights, as lights in the world. We reflect his light. So when you put your faith in Jesus, when you follow Jesus, you have the light of the world. This is what comes with Jesus. But now you don't have to trust Jesus. You don't have to follow Jesus. You can reject Jesus. You can live your life your way for yourself. You can decide that. But there are consequences. What happens when you make that choice? Let me show you three consequences. One, you walk in darkness. You will walk in darkness. That's what Jesus said in verse 12. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness. The implication is the one who doesn't follow me, he remains in the darkness. He walks in the darkness. That is a moral and spiritual darkness, even an intellectual darkness. First John 2, 11, again, the one who hates his brother, he's in the darkness. He walks in the darkness, doesn't know where he's going. The darkness has blinded his eyes. And John 12, Jesus warns about being overwhelmed or overcome by darkness. And the one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. The unbeliever lives in sin, chaos, deception, destruction, and death. That's the domain. That's, that's, that's the measure of their life. Number two, if you reject Christ, if you just want to live for yourself, you will not know, you will not see, you will not understand. You can't see, know, understand. Again, faith precedes uh, knowing and doing and understanding and so forth. Just like the Pharisees in this passage. You, you won't be able to comprehend truth about Christ, truth about life, truth about uh, love, truth about uh, judgment and eternity and, and all the rest. And then thirdly, you die in your sins. Jesus says it three times in these verses. You'll die in your sins. You'll die in your sin. In verse 21, he said to them, I go away. Now we know the story. We know what that means. They didn't. But we know in retrospect, he's talking about his ascension. Six months from here, he will die on the cross. He will be buried. He will be raised again. And after that, he will ascend to the Father and he'll be seated at the right hand of majesty on high. He will go away. And you will seek me. He may be saying, you'll keep on looking for your Messiah, <laughs> but I will have already come and gone and you'll keep looking for me. Or he may be saying, when it's all said and done, you'll figure it out. You'll begin to realize I am who I said I am, but it'll be too late. And you will die in your sin. Now notice here, sin is singular. Scholars believe that, that what that's points to is the singular sin of unbelief. Unbelief is the mother of all sin. When you don't believe, everything else comes out of unbelief. It's the mother sin. That's, that's in the book of Hebrews as well. You'll die in your sin. Where I am going, you can't come. He's talking about heaven, the presence of the Father. You can't come. You'll die in your sins and you won't be in heaven. Now, Jesus tells his disciples just the opposite in John 14. Hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And one day I'll come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, you may be also. Where I'm going, 
You can come. In fact, I'll come get you so we can be together. So the Jews were saying, then in verse 23, he was saying to them, you're from below. Notice in verse 24. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Notice here, sins is plural. So here's all that, that, that guilt, that, that accumulative guilt in your life from all your sins. You will die in your sins unless you believe that I am. Now, in the language of the New Testament, the word he is not there. And, and, and in your Bible, it's probably italicized. And that's your editor saying, eh, we added that in there to make it make sense. But in the Greek, it's ego Amy, ego, I, Amy, I am. I am. Now that simple phrase shows up about two dozen times in the Gospel of John. Sometimes it's just I am. I mean, it's, I am. I'm that guy. I am. It's just I am. Other times it reflects God's revelation of himself to Moses back in Exodus 3. Moses tells the Lord, Lord, they ain't going to believe me. If I go down there and tell them God sent me, they ain't going to believe me. What, what, do I, what do I tell them? You tell them. I am sent you. I am. He is the I am God. Here, this is a subtle, a subtle declaration of his deity. Unless you believe, ego me, I am, you will die in your sins. Now, by the end of this chapter, it won't be subtle and they'll get it. Before Abraham was, ego me, I am. Oh, that's it. And they pick up stones and they're going to stone him for blasphemy for claiming to be God, the I am God. Unless you believe I am, you'll die in your sins. Robert Muntz points out to die in your sins is to die for your sins. The wages of sin is death. It's not just a physical death, although it involves a physical death. It's a spiritual death and an eternal death. And what the Bible calls a second death, the lake of fire. You will die in your sins. You'll die for your sins. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. The Christian dies in the Lord because he lives in the Lord. The unbeliever dies in his sins because he lives in his sins. So, you've got a choice. You know, you've got a decision to make. Everyone does. What are you going to do with Jesus? Will you believe him and faith him and follow him? Will you come to the light of the world and have the light of life? Or are you just going to stay in the darkness? We heard him say that in John 3. This is the judgment. This is the judgment. The light came into the world, but men loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. They didn't want the light. They wanted the darkness because their deeds were evil. We heard it in John chapter 1 as well. Will you come out of the, light, out of the darkness and come to the light? Or will you stay in the darkness and reject the light? You have a choice. What are you going to do? I pray that if you've not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you'll do it today. Today's the day and now's the time. Say yes to the Lord Jesus. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus. Believe him. Faith him. Follow him. Say, Jesus, I know I've sinned. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. Change me. And I'll follow you. Say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you already know him, then walk as children of light. You are sons of light, sons of day. You're not of the night. You're not of the darkness. Walk as, walk as sons of the light. Reflect the light. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, your son, our savior, the light of the world. God, we know historically, we know even today, there are many who reject the light. They love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. But God, we thank you 
We thank you for those who would say yes to the light. And I pray in this, in this group right here, right now, if there's anyone who's never been saved, Lord, help them to see they need Jesus. They're in the darkness until now. I pray that you'd call them out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. Say, that they would say yes to Jesus and be saved today. Just take charge of this time of decision. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.